welcome to episode 111 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that's actually recording ahead of schedule for once, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott, and I'm joined by the banalish sleeper herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Weird, because it's a Monday and not Sunday, and we're recording. Yeah. This is weird, but good. I'm doing well. Feels like a Sunday right now, because that's when we usually record, mm-hmm. so I'm a little bit all over the place, but otherwise I'm good. How about you? What are you up to? I am good, yeah. For a little bit of context, uh, we might have actually said this in a previous episode, I can't really tell because <laughs> time is convoluted it's like we're, we're on like multiple timelines and loops right now right so we've decided to because emma is over in the u.s we're doing a couple of episodes recording ahead of schedule to try and make the trip a little easier and you know give us a little bit of break on weekends sometimes you know so we are actually recording this on the 22nd of august so it's a, been a little while since we recorded this but hopefully everything will still be up to date however i don't really want to sit here and talk about how we are now because by the time this comes out it'll be largely <laughs> irrelevant so because we don't have an intro we're gonna just instead give a little fun fact about ourselves so let's start with yourself emma what have you got for us so mine is very unexciting compared to what you've written down so my fun fact <laughs> is that i can wiggle my little t- pinky toes independently from my other toes so that i can move them separately mm. and it's just and it weirds people out apparently because apparently not everyone could do it so when i was a kid and i just used to do it i just assumed Mm -hmm. everybody could do this thing with their toes apparently not it's like rolling your tongue it's yeah dependent sort of thing but yeah i can wiggle my little Mm. toes and it grosses people out interesting how about you (laughs) uh it might turn some people on so just be careful with yeah i could make some money out of it to be fair (laughs) maybe i should set up an OnlyFans. I mean, we do have that feed tier on Patreon, right? We do. I forgot about that. And someone paid for it as well. And we sent some very blurry feet pics. Absolute <laughs> legends. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my fun fact for today is uh, there's a Friday night talk show in Ireland here called The Late Late Show. So it's just a Friday night talk show, right? And it's been going for like 50 years or something absurd. It's like one of the longest running talk shows in the world. Uh, every November, though, they do a special edition called The Late Late Toy Show, which is where they get a bunch of kids on and they talk about like the latest toys coming up to Christmas and that kind of thing. And they review them. They give little demonstrations and so on. <sighs> I was actually on it in like 2001. I was like 12. And every year there's always like one nerdy book review kid. And that was me. (laughs) (laughs) I had to read like 20 books in a month to be able to review them all. And then they didn't even ask me about all of them. They only asked me about like five of them. Right. So I was a bit annoyed about that. But yeah, you'll... If you go digging on the internet, uh, (laughs) I haven't found it yet. But I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find the clip of me on it. Wearing like my, I think it was like a silver Adidas tracksuit or something. I looked like a fool. Classic. Absolute fool. <laughs> Super embarrassing. I didn't even get to keep any of the books, by the way. They went to a charity, which is fine. But uh, that just means that, you know, my reward for being on national TV was uh, a couple of embarrassing memories, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> if you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great, 
You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. All right, so it's my turn this week, card of the week, and I have a weird one for you. This is for Commander. You probably want to have it in mono blue decks, but you never know. This card is Floodgate. It's three and a blue for an 05 wall. And it says if Floodgate gains flying, sacrifice it. And if it leaves the battlefield, it deals one damage for each two islands you control to each non-blue creature. So it's kind of like a mono blue asymmetrical board wipe sort of thing and it's very rare and weird for blue to get damage based removal it's a very old thing you know but it works really well with like flicker effects so like blur or ghostly flicker or essence flux those kind of stuff and it's just a good blocker in the early game as well so you could do some shenanigans with it it's a good bit of fun and it's a really interesting take on a board wipe as well so yeah yeah very odd but cool Mm. speaking of odd but cool I think that's kind of like the theme for today's episode. So we're talking about modern Cascade decks and specifically modern Cascade decks on a budget. So normally we do like a modern primer kind of thing and we go through a deck and we talk about like the strengths and the weaknesses and that kind of thing. This one is going to be a little bit different because I spent a good bit of time researching these Cascade decks and trying to get one or two different versions on a budget and realized that for... Now, it sounds like a lot, but for $300, I've developed a package that allows you to have three entirely different Cascade decks in Modern, and they're great. Honestly, they're very, very good. They're not going to be as strong as the full, like, what, $1,200 versions or whatever, but $300 for three decks versus probably two and a half grand or more to get the same stuff for the full price things, it's pretty good. So... We'll dive in very quickly. What are the Cascade decks, first of all? So they abuse the Cascade mechanic, essentially, which is when you cast a spell that has Cascade, you exile cards from the top of your library until you hit a non-land card with the lesser mana value than the spell that you cast. You then put all those other cards on the bottom and you can play that card for free. So we are looking to basically use these Cascade spells and cheat specific spells out for free yeah so the two enablers for these cascade decks one came recently in modern horizons 2 and that is shardless agent which is a free mana 2-2 mm-hmm. with cascade and then you got violent outburst which is a free mana instant with cascade the violent outburst tend to saw a lot of play in like old living end decks because it was the yeah. only free mana cascade spell at the time um it's at instant speed so you can do it at the end of someone's turn and live go into living end and then bring back all your stuff it's, it's basically the same engine in each deck, which means you can keep the same package. So you will run mm-hmm. Shardless Agent and Violent Outburst. And all these decks are designed to hit the same spell, which is going to either be Crashing Footfalls, Living End, or Glimpse of Tomorrow. And they're all suspend yeah. cards, which means you get to cast them for free because they technically have no mana value. You're not looking to pay their suspend cost. You're looking to cheat these out yeah. on turn three and do whatever game plan to whichever Cascade deck you're playing. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, the payoffs, as I just mentioned earlier, so you've got Crashing Footballs, Living End, and Glimpse of Tomorrow. So as for Crashing Footballs, it's also a Modern Horizons card. Um, it makes eight power 
very quickly because it makes two four four rhinos with trample. Mm. Doesn't rely on the graveyard. It relies on the battlefield. It's very permanent based. They're really good stats as well. They tend to line up against a lot of the good creatures in modern at the moment. Yeah. It's not as explosive compared to um, other cascade decks. However, you do have a lot of counter magic backup. Like you see these footfall decks run stuff like Arch Mage's Charms just to back up what they're trying to do. As for Living End, Living End has been around in modern since the dawn of time. It's a very it's yeah. a very old school strategy when you think about it because there's been so many yeah. iterations of it. It can cheat in dozens of creatures by just cycling them away. Like Street Race is a really good example. You just you, you just draw mm-hmm. for your deck and then you cascade and then you bring all these creatures back once you cascade into the Living End. It can survive board wipes easy, you know, you can just bring everything back, no problem. Um, it does rely heavily on the graveyard, which means if you get hit by like a rest in peace, for example, or like a relic of progenitus, you may mm. have a little bit of an issue trying to get ev- to get your creatures back. And as for Glimpse of Tomorrow, that's a more recent version from Modern Horizons 2. It is the most explosive version of uh, Cascade. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit of a glass cannon as well, but it's a lot of fun. It can turn winds from nowhere if you know what you're doing. But it can also whiff a little bit as well, so you kind of need to know yeah. what you're doing. It's a lot more nuanced compared to the other two. Yeah, for sure. I think my favourite, personally, is Rhinos, because I like the adaptability, but yeah. Living End is arguably the best deck in Modern at the moment, if not one of. And Glimpse of Tomorrow, like, no one's ever prepared for it. They're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, it's less of, like, a slot machine kind of thing, like the likes of VitaWorks Marvel and stuff was, and it's more like you're throwing slot machines at people and just, yeah. like, hoping that something ridiculous is going to happen. But these all run so each of these decks like you said four shardless agent four violent outbursts and then you're running three or four usually of one of those payoffs and then the rest of the deck is built around enabling whatever one that you're running at the time so the different packages they vary quite a lot they have to be built in a specific way to ensure that the right spell is cast from cascade every time so that means no cards with mana value less than three in your deck apart from your suspend payoffs so that means that you have to use stuff like split cards or things with alternate costs like cycling or channel and that kind of stuff to be able to fill the deck with things that will help that strategy. So let's take a look, like I said, at Rhinos. What it wants to do is interact in the first couple of turns a little bit and then apply pressure by throwing Rhinos down on turn three or turn four and then close the game really quickly with your strong battlefield presence so you've got a ton of removal for small creatures right you have stuff like bone crusher giant to kill some creatures which will also just be a threat you can cast later you can tap down lands with fire and ice or you can use it to kill like ragavans or that kind of thing you've got removal in the form of dead gone to either deal damage to a creature or to bounce like a prime time or urza saga tokens with the gone part which is weird because it's a red spell that bounces things it's very odd yeah another weird old card but it can play a pretty fair game right because it has now in this budget version it has failure to comply which is one and a blue on one side to bounce a spell back to hand so it doesn't even counter it it's almost like a remand and then comply is a single white on the back and it's you say whatever spell it is and they can't cast that till next turn you rarely want to cast that side it's just in there because it's three mana value but you cast it for two then it's also got a full play set of Mystical Dispute in the main deck, which is brilliant if you're facing another blue deck because then you just have super cheap interaction. But, again, if you don't hit a Cascade spell early, like if you don't cast a 
shardless agent early or something you can just suspend like if you draw on a crashing footfall suspend a crashing footfalls and then just play your normal interactive game let them deal with the thing that comes down and then once they deal with that you'll probably have found another cascade spell and go into that you know uh, i think this is the deck out of the three that uses the actual resulting card or the result from violent outburst and shardless agent best because with two rhinos and a shardless agent that's two four fours and a two two that's 10 power that's a two turn clock and same with violent outburst because it gives creatures you control plus one plus oh until end of turn and with two attacking rhinos that's 10 damage again so yeah that's that's the core of the deck essentially it's kind of like a tempo deck because it just wants to put a big problem out and then while you're trying to deal with it you're interacting to stop that so so with living mm-hmm. end your goal is to in your early turns is to use cycling creatures to fill the graveyard quickly and then bring them all back with the living end through uh cascading um so you've got mm-hmm. some great options uh so you've got street wraith which is a, a long time favorite for living end you've got a more recent yeah. one in waker of the ways which is a fantastic card and then you've got colossal sky turtle from kamigawa neon dynasty which comes with a channel yeah. effect so you get to like bounce stuff or get a land out your deck and then it goes into the graveyard and then you can return it with Living End and then you've just got this 6-5 flyer with Ward which is mm. just the, the, what the deck wants, right? It's yeah. extremely consistent because you're cycling so many cards so you get to see so many cards as yeah. well. As mentioned, Colossal Sky Turtle is great uh, main deck interaction. And then, yeah, like tend to struggle a little bit on creatures to begin with. Um, because mm. you don't have an early game plan. You're looking to just fill up your graveyard, fly off this huge living end, and then just overwhelm the board. In, re- in, in return, you are wiping the opponent's creatures, because living end puts them into the graveyard, but it's just you ne- kind of need to be careful of like your life resource, because if a Ragavan comes down, mm. for example, or Le- Ledger Trailer comes down, or something like that, yeah. it can take over the game. So... Sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, those incidental living ends might be enough just to get get your foot in the door. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think it's one of the ones where it's living end is like the deck where you want to turn three cascade as yeah. consistently as possible because, like that, if people start amassing a board, you need to be able to get rid of it yeah. as quickly as you can. But it's so all in. But at the same time, I like it. It, it's just really asking the question: like, do you have it? As in, yeah. do you have an answer to this? And if the answer is no, they just lose, like on the spot. And like, there's no stopping like 20 power. And sometimes just casting a Street Wraith is fine. I've done it before. Mm. I've just casted a Street Wraith and just won the game because sometimes Swamp Walk <laughs> is relevant. Um, yeah. There's nothing wrong with casting these cards for their mana value. There's no shame in that yeah. if, you know, in a pinch. For sure, for sure. Living End, oh, it's 10 out of 10. It's so uh, good. Yeah, it's, I kind of want to build it, but again, the price tag is a lo- little mm. off-putting. Like, the old John versions were much more affordable, but yeah. it's just, there's a lot of nostalgia with it, which I associate with. Yeah. Well, you know, with this list now, you can mm. get Living End as well as Glimpse Combo and Rhinos for under $300 now. Yeah. Living End is probably one of the most direct, like, it is the, the most directly powerful out of these in terms of, like, consistency and forcing your opponent to have an answer to it but the most ridiculous one in my opinion and this might take a minute glimpse combo okay so this is one where i might actually have to explain what a couple of cards do because if you haven't played against this deck yet or you're not familiar with it you will have no idea so what this wants to do is it wants to play out as many permanents as possible and then cascade into glimpse of tomorrow to be able to like spin the wheel and set up a lethal board state so 
if you're not familiar with Glimpse of Tomorrow, it shuffles all permanents you own into your library, then reveal that many cards from the top of your library, and you essentially put all permanents revealed onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library. It's effectively what it reads. The way that you try and get extra permanents out for free is stuff like Colony Garden. It's a tap land, taps for green, but it makes an 0-1 plant. So by playing your land drop, you're making two permanents. You can evoke a wave sifter, which investigates twice, which means that you're putting two permanents in play for two mana. And you can reveal Chancellor of the Forge from your opening hand, which is four red, red, red for a 5-5 giant. And when it enters the battlefield, you put X-1-1 red goblin tokens with haste onto the battlefield where X is the number of creatures you control. But you can also reveal it from your opening hand. And when you do, in your first upkeep, you get a 1-1. So it's basically a free permanent. With all of these free permanents, you're looking to just shuffle them all back into your deck because even the tokens will count even if they're not shuffled back in and you flip over a load of stuff. You might be able to get an instant kill with it. So there's like an elemental landfall package in here. Normally the, the full value version runs stuff like Omnath, uh, Locus of Creation and that kind of thing and you know a few more expensive things. Obviously all these Cascade full value ones, they run stuff like you know uh, Endurance and force of negation all that kind of stuff they're very pricey that so they're not here but that doesn't mean that these decks aren't still absurd especially for their value so the elemental landfall package in here instead we're using omnath locus of rage so it's a seven mana five five elemental with landfall when a land enters the battlefield under your control you make a five five red green elemental token and then whenever omnath or another elemental you control dies you deal three damage to any target so you want to flip over stuff. Let's say you hit, you shuffle five permanents back in and you flip over five lands and an Omnath. And that's it. What'll happen is you will get your Omnath. Omnath will also see all of those lands entering the battlefield and will make a 5-5 five, five for each one of them. So you'll just amass an enormous board out of nowhere. You also have stuff like Risen Reef, in my opinion, the best creature in the deck because it triggers off of Omnath. It triggers off the elementals it makes. It triggers off of Wave Sifter. It causes all sorts of problems. Then, like I said, Wave Sifter, it's a good value piece because of the clues. It makes three permanents if you cast it. Or, you know, if you hit it off of your glimpse and you flip it over, that puts three more permanents into play. So if you glimpse again, that's going to give you even more stuff. And yeah, it's just very, very good. And then the final landfall piece is Tireless Provisioner. Landfall, make a treasure. It helps to ramp you up to actually hard casting, maybe the Omnats or that kind of thing in a longer game, or just give you more permanence to shuffle in. Now, how you win with this, there's two ways. <laughs> the easy way is with Flamekin Zealot, right? So it's one red, red, white for a 2-2 elemental berserker. So it's another elemental, triggers Risen Reef. When it enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus one, plus one and gain haste until end of turn. So you flip over a big bunch of like Omnats, Elementals, all sorts of stuff. You can stack all the triggers so that the last one to go off is Flamekiln Zealot, which means you give everything that's hit the board haste and you like swing out Alpha Strike immediately. Or you can go with Chancellor of the Forge. So if you manage to actually flip that big giant into play, it'll see all the other creatures that have come in as well. It'll make a bunch of goblins with haste. Sometimes you'll flip both of these cards over at the same time and swing in. It's uh, it's ridiculous, but the way that this gets out of hand, okay, because this all sounds like somewhat pedestrian, like when you're comparing it to like Living End or whatever, it's like, yeah, this is good, but like, yeah. what's so special about it? If you hit a Goblin Dark Dwellers, which is a five mana four four with Menace, when it enters the battlefield, you can cast an instant or sorcery card with mana value three or less from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. 
This ignores timing restrictions as well. So while you have all those triggers on the stack, you can just go and glimpse again. You can just glimpse again, immediately shuffle all those extra permanents back in, flip it one more time. You'll probably hit like a tireless provisioner, some treasures and all that kind of stuff so that you might even be able to like cast another cascade spell from your hand and glimpse again. It's not unusual to like cast three or four glimpses in a game, spend probably realistically like 20 minutes flipping over all these cards and shuffling, but it's a spectacle, you know? Like, it can fail, right? Sometimes you do hit crap off of your glimpse of tomorrow. You might just hit a bunch of lands or whatever, and that's fine. But you're likely to hit like some high value permanents and that kind of thing. Like, you, it's not strange to, you know, glimpse with like four permanents on board and hit like two lands, a tireless provision or an Omnath. Like, you're still in a great position. It uses multiple cascade cards the best here because of making those extra treasures and stuff. So if you have like a hand with like three cascade spells and like three lands, you're golden. Like you are in a good spot. If you really want, it can play a fair game, like with Tireless Provision or Risen Reef, Wave Sifter, like you can kind of grind out a little bit. It, it doesn't need to do the thing, but it's significantly weaker otherwise, you know? But there are like a million lines to this deck. There's no way I'm going any <laughs> further into it now because like I will literally be talking your ear off for like probably another half an hour minimum. Yeah. So. <laughs> I've only seen it on Magic Online because that seems the best place to play the deck just to see all the triggers automatically mm -hmm. go off so you don't have to worry about remembering them. You just visually see them. And then you're like, boom, I know what I'm doing because yeah. this card does this. I can stack it like this. Exactly. It's yeah. pretty fun. Glass Cannon decks tend to be a lot of fun, I find. Yeah, absolutely. So they're the three sort of main packages. Like they're the three decks. Yeah. You can build, by the way, you can build these decks separately. Um, I'm going to include the decks in the show notes. So if you want to go check these out, you can over on our Patreon. But one thing that I think is really good about this sort of collection of decks, the mana base. Yeah. Mana base is actually great. Yeah. So the most expensive and powerful decks in modern are propped up by their mana bases, which we all know is very difficult to do on a budget. We know that yeah. creating budget decks like the mana base is the trickiest part. However, thanks to the reduced need to spend mana perfectly in the first turn or two, a decent mana base can be made for each Cascade deck, and you can make some mm. compromises here. So you've got Frontier Bivouac instead of the, the Team of Triome, because it's a tri-tap land, like it, the typing doesn't matter because we're not running fetches. Then you've got stuff mm. like Gemstone Mine, which is a fantastic way just to get all your colours on turn one. And then you have yeah. stuff like Yavamaya Coast, which is just an efficient pain land, which is also going to get mm. reprinted in Dominari United, so that's going to be even more yeah. cheaper in now, because people will hear this when the set is out. So yeah. generally, pain lands are pretty affordable. I'd recommend just picking them up anyway if you're looking to play True. Budget Modern. It's just a good opportunity. Um, honestly, these aren't this mana base is not going to be good as your $800 optimized living end cascade list. But for around 90 to 100 you can use these lands for all three decks switching around and that card mileage mm. is much more beneficial than just slamming $800. Like you're going to get a lot out of your purchases for 100 bucks. Absolutely, 100%. So like the total number of lands that I've suggested for all three decks to be able to build any of the three in the exact configurations that we've listed here, mm. total is 46 lands. Now... Yeah. That includes six forests, five islands, and four mountains. So if you pull all that out, you're looking at like roughly 30 lands. Yeah. And it's mostly just like, you know, eight pain lands, 
you know, there's two botanical sanctum. There's the four gemstone mine, which is one of the best ones because it's so cheap now, like you said. And it's all very cheap. Very, very cheap. Like it's, like you said, like $100 for the whole thing. So good. So good. Now, speaking of, the mana base isn't the only thing where you can just spend a, like a small-ish chunk of money and just be sorted. The sideboards are also really good for this as well. So while all of these decks revolve around the Cascade mechanic and will usually be stopped by the same hate, you know, the hate spells are all basically the same when it comes to Cascade, they're also all well set up to fight the hate on a budget as well. Like for about $50, you can get sideboard perfectly serviceable for all three decks. And the reason why this is the case is because of three cards in particular mystical dispute foundation breaker and leyline of sanctity so a play set of mystical dispute is less than twenty dollars play set of foundation breaker is two dollars or so and then a play set of leyline of sanctity is under thirty dollars once you have all of those you're kind of sorted like there's a couple of other cards to fit in and stuff but these fit into every single one of the decks now i know rhinos has mystical dispute main board so they have space in the board for other stuff but Foundation Breaker like stops like all the relevant hate, like Void Mirror, the Graveyard Hate for Living End, Chalice, Chalice on Zero is a huge one for you, Engineered Explosives or Ratchet Bomb against the Rhinos is really good as well, Damping Sphere also like slows you down a bit and that kind of thing. Then also Mystical Dispute is like critical for stopping any decks that have Teferi Time Raveler in them. Yeah, that's a massive that card hits, for Living End. <laughs> yeah, that card. Oh. That card is rough. Yeah, Three I think I've said on. my piece on that card, though, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> we all have. Yeah. And the great thing about these is that, like, you can play them like that. Mystical Dispute could be played for a single blue. Foundation Breaker, you can evoke it for two mana. And Leyline, you could just put out for free, which is super, super good against, like, burn decks, but it also, like, saves against hand disruption and that kind of stuff. Super good. Yeah. So Foundation Breaker hits almost every relevant hate piece it's also really good against hammer decks just to nerf some equipment as well like there's mm. there's so many good artifacts in modern at the moment foundation breaker just hits a lot of them and you know for the for the two mana it just seems worth it yeah it deals with sure. amulet tie-in because it removes amulet of vigor and dryad and triad and also deals mm. with the urza saga tokens the constructs as well which you can get out of hand and there is a saga itself. And that itself. So you've got two <laughs> mana land destruction as well. Um, so yeah, it deals with like affinity. It deals with Tron. Not that you see Tron too much at the minute, but mm-hmm. it's still around. There's just plenty of cards this uh, Foundation Breaker can hit in modern. It's just, mm. it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So you got Ravenous Trap and Fairy Macabre, which is just, again, free spells for Graveyard Hate. You want to cast spells for free because it allows you to hit those Cascade spells. It allows you to do other stuff yeah. in your turn. And then you've got Obsidian Child Mode that can take out any troublesome lands. So stuff like Tron, Urza Saga, and it's just a big, thick threat as well in the late game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's so good to have so many different options like this that are super, super affordable. Because if you look at like some of these full budget lists the sideboards are like four hundred dollars yeah, like running like four furies or sometimes main deck furies or like endurance that kind of thing and like you're it's wild like yeah. it's so expensive like you can build a whole deck for whatever's in the the cost of in their board you know but like these cards some of them like i said the three main ones the mystical dispute foundation breaker and Leyline, they all see play 
in the full budget versions and that's what makes them so good here because they are just the best ones available they just happen to also be budget which is fantastic as you can see, there's a lot of overlap between the main core, like we said, the cascade spells themselves, the mana base and the sideboard. So really all that kind of changes. Now, obviously, the mana base changes a little bit. The sideboards change based on the strategy you're going for. But it's all just those main deck sort of filler cards, you know, like the interaction in Rhinos or the cycling creatures in Living End or the random junk in Glimpse Combo. Yeah, it's <laughs> but that's what makes it so that you can have like i said 300 dollars sounds like a good bit but if you were to look at like the decks built by themselves like the glimpse combo costs like 200 dollars to build by itself living end costs like 200 dollars to build by itself and rhinos is about 130 based on the list that we've added into the show notes but if you build them all together like i said sure they're all going to like roughly have the same kind of hate and like you're going to have to deal with that in the same ways or whatever but the decks themselves are extremely solid. Like they are like roughly in terms of performance, they would be like 80% of the way, you know, they still have the core game plan. They can still do these crazy turn threes. They can still just win the game on the spot, depending on what version you're running or what hate your opponent has and stuff. If you want to get into modern and you want to play something really cool that has a very high ceiling, like any of these three decks are good. Like I said, if you want to stick all of these together, I have made a list an MTG Goldfish list that's in the show notes of every single card that you need to be able to build all three decks. It comes to a total of, according to MTG Goldfish at the time of recording, it's $298 and it's 166 cards. So it's just over two decks worth of cards, but you could just swap them out and make any one of these. So like there are going to be some times where Rhinos is going to feel better and then people are going to forget about Grave Hate because they don't see much in your LGS or whatever. You then just bring Living End and you absolutely dance on them. And... Yeah, then obviously Glimpse for when you're feeling like extra spicy. But I don't think there's a wrong choice here. Any of these decks are fantastic and they'll likely, unless something gets hit from the Cascade spells, which I see is not happening. But Never going to happen in my opinion. But troublesome cards to hit in modern instead of Cascade stuff personally. But I agree. Knows? Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And because of that, I think these will be safe long-term pickups. Like if you pick up one of these decks and want to build it up slowly over time, like maybe pick yeah. up a place out of Force Integration over time, piecemeal the rest of the deck together, get some fetches. These are great choices. So that is going to cover it for the three different Cascade decks in Modern. These are so much fun. I've been having a blast with these. I've been playtesting with friends. Even just goldfishing these just feels great. Like yeah. goldfishing of a Glimpse deck? Oh my god. It's nonsense. Also, um... Living End and Crashing Footfalls, those are two tier one modern decks at the moment. They yeah. are very, very good. Obviously, time of recording, they are tier mod modern decks. And they probably still mm. will be when you get to listen to this. So you are yeah. investing in a what is now a, a modern archetype staple, which is always a good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. This is like if you want to play something that feels kind of mid-rangey, but you don't want to dump like Jund kind of money or like Rakdos mid kind of money, Rhinos is the deck for you, in my opinion. That that is the one. It also happens to be the cheapest of them, which is nice. Yes. But like you said, you're going to be able to keep the deck around for ages. You know, eventually they're going to print more split cards. They're going to print more cards that will cost less under certain specific circumstances, and they're going to go in the deck and they're going to make them better. Yeah. So with that, have we got any Q and A? 
Yeah, we've got a couple of questions on this uh, on this episode. So Bo Schwartz mm-hmm. asked, are there any classic archetypes or decks that you would wish to be added to Pioneer? This is a good one. Mm. So I guess this depends largely on your definition of like what a classic archetype is. So you, um, like, I think a classic, I'm guessing something like Living End, I guess, is one. Mm. Um, so like Living End, Affinity, Jund, Tron... If we're talking like true classic modern decks, like pre M eight, like Modern Horizons, like Jeskai Control, that was another classic one. Death Shadow, mm. that kind of thing. Um, I would like to see um, like a Hammer decks. I know it's not like a classic yeah. modern archetype, but like a, a good uh, equipment aggro may as well be, no. style yeah. deck that isn't uh, in Soul. I'd love to see like a committed Hammer time style mm. deck in Pioneer. I think that would be very cool. That would be cool. I wouldn't mind that. I think there are some things that I would like to see stay in the formats that they are and not extend further. Like, for example, I like that Modern is the format where you play a big dumb amulet deck, or you play Tron, or you play, like, Affinity, or whatever. Like, I like that you can go to that format and do those ridiculous things. Yeah. I would like to see something along the lines, like you said, of Hammer... Or I'm actually just looking at uh, the MTG Goldfish listing of like different decks in Modern. Yeah. I would like to see Mill at some point. That like would I feel be like cool. that's the kind that's, of thing where like Mill could exist. Yeah. Mill Mill's a classic. Um, that's a good example. Yeah. Maybe we'll get another like hexproof Crap. small creature. We can get Bogles going as well. Maybe. Yeah, Bogles is like fine, but it needs it needs a Glacover. It uh, needs the slippery bogle or just a one one with to really get it going especially when yeah. brushland comes into pioneer which it should do with the brothers war so. mm. but no i'd like to see hammer time like mono white hammer reality chip nonsense because you can still do that because they're all legal yeah in my opinion as well i think i think now i would consider this a classic archetype quote unquote because it's been around for a good while but hardened scales I think is that would be cool. slightly underexplored in Pioneer. Now, I know the reason for it is probably because people are looking at the way Hardened Scales was in Modern and being like, mm, we can't make that though, so it's not good. I think there's definitely something there. You just have to build it differently and not rely on Walking Ballista to be in the format to be good. Yeah. Maybe it's not with artifacts. Maybe it's with other creatures with plus one, plus one counters or something. Mm. But I feel like that card and the existence of the Ozolith and everything in the format and Winding yeah. Constrictor and conclave mentor like they all yeah. exist why is this not <laughs> yeah. a thing why is this not a thing and then you've got the <laughs> the two mana artifact creature from neon dynasty which the name escapes me mm. that you play in the deck as well that because that makes i think it has like a, essentially it has like mod patchwork automaton that's the one yeah mm. so you can play that as well um yeah i feel like there's something there you got hangerback walker that's magic origins mm. yep so we've got a question from xavier which is probably aimed for me um, what Simpsons episodes would you consider a pinnacle of the show? Dep- depends what you mean by pinnacle, as in like pinnacle for me, pinnacle for you know everyone else, like for people who aren't big Simpsons fans. Going, yep, that's the episode. Um, it, I think on that it probably has to be the monorail episode. I think that's the one that everyone just kind of brings up um, for me. Hmm. I know you're not really into the Simpsons, or you've gone off it. So yeah, what fun. happened with me is like. I, I watched it grown up. Just it was on TV all the time, and I just got sick of it. Like I, I, I get sick of things quickly. <laughs> Magic's like the only thing I haven't gotten sick of quickly, to be honest. Um, and then lastly, we got a question from Joe Cheney. Uh, we're about a year into alchemy as a quote-unquote format. 
Um, what are your opinions on the alchemy format, um, if you have any? I don't, because I haven't played Magic Arena since Strixhaven, which was a long time ago, and it's not installed on my computer, so I don't look at Arena, unfortunately. That is about the same for me, I think. I think I logged into it at some point last year and played, like, three games and was like, oh, I need to spend, like, 100 quid in order to actually compete here. I'm out. Like... I don't know much about the format, but I know that some people have been complaining about it. But, like, realistically, if you don't like it, don't play it. Like, there's other formats on there. You know, I am indifferent towards it. Like, more formats, the better, in my opinion, when it comes to, like, on, like digital um, offerings or whatever, because you have more options. Like, you, the whole idea of Arena is to be able to play regularly and often. And, you know, if this is something that you enjoy or whatever, then great. If not go play something else, you know, like Standard or Historic or whatever. And I know that, like, everything has an impact on Historic uh, in that. So, like, if Alchemy messes with that, it messes with Historic or something like that. I'm not really fully up on it because we don't really do Arena, but it's fine, I guess. Uh, I'll always be indifferent on Arena, even... It's just because I'm not the target audience for it. And a lot of the content I write has to be about physical cards because I write for a company that sells physical cards. So Arena's not an interest to me so mm. not to be very rude it's just plus the economy's crap let's be honest like yeah we're all about that physical feel like have you any idea how hard it is to record these episodes and not flick cards incessantly oh yeah i have a i have a car <laughs> right next to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah me too yeah I'll just uh you know what i'll play us out to the sound of my people <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Minnie Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, Tim Newman and Patrick Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. 